in a minute. There we go. There we go. How are you all? It's very dark in here. Our, our lighting person man isn't here, and none of us know how to turn the lighting on the stage. So I think we'd better have someone else who can just, you know, at least know what knobs to turn and what have you. They're apparently quite complicated. But um, anyway. Right. That's to make you turn your, your dream machine on, okay? Well, I want to read, start in here in Job 33 verses 14 and 15. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. See, some, God's speaking to us all the time, but we don't perceive it always or often. We don't perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and women <laughs> and seals their instruction. So our spirit, man, never sleeps. You know, when your body sleeps, your spirit is always awake and it's always alive to God and it's always waiting and listening uh, for God to talk to it. And uh, see, God, when we sleep, God can bypass our heads because our heads get in the way, don't they? You, you, God may speak to you and you sort of think, oh, was that you, God? No, it probably wasn't you, God. But when you're asleep, he will speak directly to your spirit and he'll place dreams in our hearts and he'll seal up those uh, dreams with instructions on how to accomplish them. And sometimes we may awake from a, a vivid dream which seems to have a message for us or instructions. Other times we, we may remember nothing. But I will say this, if we commit ourselves to hearing and receiving from God when awake and when asleep, you know, when you go to sleep, Lord, I know, talk to him, just say, Father, I just thank you. As I'm sleeping, speak to me, put things into my heart. Then Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring it up so I know what God is saying to me. And, he, and he'll do this. So God has placed in everyone the ability to dream. We all have that ability. And some of the greatest accomplishments in history have come about as a result of someone's dream. It says in Jeremiah, 29 verse 11, and this is a New Living Translation. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster. God never plans bad things for us or disaster for us. And uh, he, he gives you plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And then in verse 31 of Jeremiah, verse 17, he says, There is hope for your future. And hope stabilizes us. And when we have hope, when you have no hope, when people have no hope, they give up. But hope, always keep your hope in God because God always works all things together for good. You know, you might think, well, it doesn't look like it at the moment. But you remind God, Father, you said you work all things together for good. And whatever it is that we're facing right now, I just thank you, Father that you're working all things together for good. So hope will stabilise us. It will give us a purpose and a reason to dream. So God is full of creativity. He's full of ideas, miracles and abundance. That's our God. That's the one we serve. God is the greatest thinker in the whole universe. His thinking is boundless. His intelligence is beyond the human capacity of human comprehension. And he's the source of all life, 
all creation and all, every creative idea. He's the greatest, most fantastic designer. Have you looked at a sunset? How beautiful they are. They're never the same. Have you looked at, uh, you've been in the bush and you look at all the creativity in the bush, you know, with flower, endless flowers, all these amazing things. God, and even little insects. You know, he, he created everything down to little ants. Gave them these little legs and a, a little head. <laughs> you know, God, is, he's, he's interested in the big and he's inter interested in the small. And you might think, I'm so insignificant. What would God think about me? I'll tell you what he thinks about you. He thinks you're the best thing on the earth. He does. There's no one. God does not say, I like poor better than I like you. No, he doesn't do that. He loves you both the same. Isn't that good? He does. He loves everybody the same. We are his kids, all of us. And if you don't like me, you'll have to get used to me because we'll be in heaven for eternity, you know. <laughs> we're, you know, we've got to like one another because we're in the same family. We have the same heavenly father. And so he's the one that has plans for our future. He has a dream for your life. And when we were born, God placed those gifts inside of each of us so that we can fulfill the dreams in our heart. He's waiting for us to awaken what's inside, to stir up our dreams, stir our imagination. An imagination is not bad. God gave us an imagination, but we use it for good. We use our imagination for good things. See, children are amazing. You think of children. Their imaginations are so God-given, aren't they? You know, they can have the ability to turn a box into a car or, or into a house. You know, they can dress up and think they're the queen or the or king if it's a boy. Uh, yes, we'll say that. They can dress up in grown-up clothes, whatever. They can see themselves sailing the, the, the oceans and uh, while sitting in a box. They can imagine all these things. How can they do that? do that? It's because, one, they're innocent and they're free from the pressures of adult life. And all children's spirits are alive to God. Every child, every baby born in this earth, their spirits are alive to God. So our simple childlike innocence to dream is often lost, sadly. We're told to stop daydreaming. Even like kids, you say, they don't daydream. You should say, daydream as much as you like. Dream about things. You know, dream about great things. And, uh, you know, children are today, or you know, they are taught to put the importance on the physical realm instead of exploring the land of dreams. And that was never God's intention, not at all. Jesus said we need to receive the kingdom as a little child. Remember they, you know, remember they were trying to, the disciples trying to get rid of the kids, and he says, you know, that, hey, the, the kingdom belongs, king, the kingdom belongs to the little children. Because they're alive to God, and it belongs to us. So we need to keep that capacity alive to live out our God dreams, those childlike qualities of absolute trust and wonderment. Somewhere, as I say, well, somewhere along the age line where innocence is lost, or what is called the age of accountability, the age of accountability, people lose their God connection. Some children just carry on right through, you know, like as a little kid while they're alive to God, they give their hearts to God and they just carry on right through. But there comes an age for everybody 
at a certain time in life, we become accountable. Paul said, I was alive to God once in Romans 7, 9, without the law, it's that, without the word of God, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Well, what's he talking about? He didn't die physically, but spiritually. He died, that light, that light that was in there went out. And that happens to everybody on this earth. They are alive to God as children, but somewhere they can make a choice and they could just go their own way and something happens. I remember when that actually happened to me. I think I was 14 years of age. And uh, it's not that I was out there sinning or anything, it's just that uh, I was at that age, I had to now make a choice for Jesus Christ. And the church I was going to really never explained the new birth at all. And so I just, it's like it, part of me died at that time. And it wasn't until I was older when I heard about the new birth. I'd never heard about it. I knew about Jesus. I knew he died on the cross. But I'd never made that conscious decision. Jesus, you died for me. It wasn't just he died for the whole earth. No, I've got to make it personal. You died for me on that cross so that I could be uh, made alive again on the inside, that God's life will come into me. Everyone has to make that decision. And I, can, I just remember that. So and I didn't understand it, but I remember that happening to me. So God has made a way for people to be reconnected, and that is found through Jesus Christ. He's the one who became the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. Nobody else could do that because Jesus was God. It was God in the flesh. And uh, we must be born again. We've got to be born again from death to life. And when we recognize Jesus and make him our Lord, our spirits are made alive. And our dreams will start to spring into life. You know the story of Joseph in the Bible? He was a dreamer and his brothers would knock him. They would call him, oh, you know, here comes the dreamer. <laughs> And what they failed to recognize or understand was that Joseph was seeing his future in God. He wasn't trying to be smart or proud, or he may have had a bit of pride, but uh, he just spoke out the dreams that he had. He had dreams. God would give him dreams. He saw the, his brother's sheep, sheaves, you know, with the, um, what do they call it? Not hay, but wheat. Wheat's the word. <laughs> wheat. And he saw... He, the sheaves uh, bowing down to his sheaf. And he told his brothers about that. And he told how he saw the moon, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowing down to him. And they didn't like that at all. And um, so, he, he, but you know, what he dreamt became what he, he became what he dreamt about. If you know the story about him, he was brothers. Um, sold him into slavery to, to Egyptians. But in the end, he became second in command to the Pharaoh himself. And for years, until his death, he was the most important man in that part of the world after Pharaoh. He became the one that would save the future nation of Israel because of dreams. And he kept those dreams in his heart and he kept a pure heart towards God. But he had to hold on to those dreams in those silent years. Many people were thrown into jail unjustly and he was uh, there until Pharaoh heard about these a man in there that dreams, and he had these dreams he wanted to talk to him about. And he became the second in command in all of Egypt. So I believe God gave him that gift to interpret dreams because God watched him take himself, 
his dreams that God gave him seriously. And we need to take our dreams seriously. Don't just brush them off. Write them down and ask God, Lord, what is here that I need to know? What do I need to know? You know, there have been many great people and there are many you know, who have dreams in their heart. What about Walt Disney? He, he gave the world Donald Duck, <laughs> Mickey Mouse, Disneyland and movies like Mary Poppins, which a lot of you wouldn't even remember, <laughs> showing my age. But these things touch the hearts of imaginations of multitudes of children. And uh, he faced scoffing and he faced bankruptcy when he first began developing the dream of Disneyland. And he died before Disneyland was ever built. And someone once said to his wife, what a shame Walt never got to see it. And to which she replied this, she said, oh, but he did. He saw it in his dreams. He saw it in his imagination. He already saw it. And what about um, Peter Jackson? Sir Peter Jackson now, producer of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. He grew up in Pukirua Bay, where, where we live, where, where Lisa was raised. And when he was there, he fed his imagination and dreamt of making movies. And his mother seldom could use her oven because he was always making paper mache models and they'd be in the oven. So she could seldom use her oven because he was constantly creating and using his imagination. And his first film was actually filmed in Pukirua Bay in the bush reserve behind where we used to live. So Peter's dream to produce movies became a re reality and today he's, he's well known because of his movies such as The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Incredible things. But he's working out and living out his dream. God dreams come from the unseen realm. And too often we look at the circumstances, the so-called facts, and we allow them to determine our faith. And they determine whether we pursue our dreams or back off them. But faith will cause us to hold on to our dreams and bring those dreams into the seen realm. And sometimes it may look like all odds are against us. Our hopes and dreams seem unrealistic. Oh, that will never happen. Watch what comes out your mouth. And, you know, in the natural, what God might give us is. It does seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If he gives you a dream, don't ignore them. It could be even just something to correct something in your life. Don't ignore what God puts in your heart. Even just little thoughts come in. Dream with God. Dream about these things. So we've got to put our faith in God. He's the giver of dreams with whom all things are possible. And what may seem unrealistic in the natural realm will become a reality. Praise God, we don't have to be led by what we see. We don't have to be led by our past, whether our failures, our past failures. We don't have to be put down by that. Instead, we can follow the dreams that God has placed in our hearts. Open up your hearts to God. Listen to, what you're, listen to what's inside of you. Write down, when you get a dream, write it down quickly. Keep a little notebook by your bed. Write it down because you'll forget it. You know, it comes from your spirit. And sometimes unless you connect, connect your mind, it's going to go. Write it down. Don't ignore these things. They're from God. Now, you might get a nightmare. 
don't, God won't give you nightmares, but he will give you dreams. Satan would be the one who'd love to give you nightmares, not God. So we're all created with a touch of greatness, all of us, because we came from God. And uh, when you give your life to Jesus and you receive eternal life, he empowers us with his divine nature. We have his divine nature within us. His desires become our desires. It says in Ephesians 2.10 in the New Living Translation, for we are God's masterpiece. Say, I am God's masterpiece. Okay, we're going to say it once more and mean it, eh? (laughs) I am God's masterpiece. So I am God's masterpiece. Now, <laughs> yes, you need to start saying, God created me. I am God's masterpiece. You are. God said it. God doesn't lie. It says in Ephesians 2.10 in, in the New Living Translation, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. Long ago. When you were still inside God, he planned these things for you. You know, you should get that scripture. That's one of the first scriptures I ever um, memorized, a great scripture. Get rid of the small me thinking. You're not a small me. You're a child of the most high God. And see yourself as someone special, someone unique. You are. There's nobody nobody else like you. Thank goodness. All our fingerprints are different. Isn't that a miracle? How many people on the planet? Six, seven billion, is it? I don't know. Who knows? A lot. And each one, nobody has the same fingerprint. You work that one out. Isn't that amazing? It's, that's God. You are unique. And God has put a dream in your heart to, so you can do great things for him. Yeah. Sometimes we try and do what others want us to do, but we're called to be imitators of Christ. We're not to imitate anybody else. We're to imitate Christ. His whole focus was fulfilling the dream that God put in his heart to reveal the kingdom of God on earth and to demonstrate his will on earth just as it is in heaven. That's his, that was his. Jesus refused to be conformed to the thinking of the day, that religious thinking. He hated it. He was not intimidated by man nor by religion. He was fearless, absolutely fearless in the face of storms, attacks, demons and accusations. Nothing intimidated him. He was strong. He was bold. He was fearless, compassionate. He was relentless in passion uh, for the kingdom of God and for people. Constantly he was challenging and breaking barriers and religious mindsets. You know, religious mindsets is a bondage. It's it's not helpful at all. We need to be free. Jesus came to set us free. Free. Say, I am free from every religious thinking and anything else the enemy has put on my life. Very good. Okay, he just moved in the supernatural, fed 5,000 5, people, it says, but more because that was the men, didn't count the kids or didn't count the wives, I don't know why, but anyway, so possibly 10,000 people or more. He fed them with two fish and five loaves of bread. You try and do that. That's pretty good. 
But you know, we have the same creativity on the inside of us. If we had to do that, we could do that. Absolutely. He walked on water. I haven't tried that one yet. He healed the sick, <laughs> cast out demons, all of these things. He opened blind eyes and deaf ears, prayed for the crippled, and they walked. Prayed with those with withered limbs, and they grew out. Nothing in this natural realm limited him. And nothing in this natural realm should limit us. Not at all. The works that I do, he said, you shall do also. And he said, and even greater works than these will you do. Well, we haven't even done the works he's done yet. But there's greater works to come. Isn't that amazing? So we need to start thinking big. And we need to start speaking what God says about us for a start would be a big help. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you feel like, nah, it's useless, hopeless. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's my strength. He's my power. He, he's the anointing which destroys every yoke. Amen? Thank you. So, live the dream in your heart. And you may say, well, I don't have a dream. Well, then start to allow yourself to dream. Start dreaming. Stir yourself up on the inside. Fear will rob you of your dreams. Satan will constantly bring things across your path to make you react in fear. The choice is yours, though. Will you react in fear, or which will squash your dreams, or will you react in faith? We always react in faith. Say, okay, Lord, I've received that. may not be able to see it yet, but I receive it, and I'm going to walk out my destiny. I'm not going to squash those dreams in my heart anymore. So our future depends on the way we respond to every situation we face. How do we respond to our God dreams? How do we? You say, well, I don't know if it's a God dream or not. Well, if it didn't freak you out totally, you know, it's probably a God dream. <laughs> Absolutely. How do we respond to all the obstacles and the barriers to those dreams? You know, if you've got a, a dream in your heart to, to do such and such, you know, God. He's put gifts in everybody's life, everyone's life. So how do you respond to the obstacles that come to try and stop what is in your heart, what God has given, the talent that God's given you? Don't allow your limitations to keep you from filling your dreams. I want to give you four points to make a God-given dream a reality. Number one, open your heart and mind to God's thoughts and plans for you. Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? The Word of God. The Word of God has the power in it to renew our mind. I saw you, Amy, then. <laughs> oh, it looked like you were lying down on the seat for a moment. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It will prove it. You say, yeah, this lines up. It proves the will of God, the perfect will of God for you. And so as we renew our minds to the word of God, his thoughts will start to become our thoughts. Then as we think his thoughts, we recognize the dreams he's placed in our hearts. So now we can walk in his ways, his higher ways. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, I has not seen or ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How many love him in this house? Yeah, everybody. Well, it hasn't entered your heart yet, the things that God has prepared for you. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And in verse 16 in the Amplified, it says, but we have the mind of Christ and do not hold the thoughts, feelings, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. God is inviting us to dream with him. Number two, believe you can achieve any dream God puts in your heart. Dare to believe God. Have a can-do mentality. I can do this. I can do this. Tell yourself, I can do it. God wants to work with you so you can accomplish your God-given dreams. Remember, we are God's co-laborers. He wants to work with us so we can accomplish our dreams. We all have the capacity to dream. All of us have that capacity. For some, it's really easy. For others, it's not so easy. But we all have a God-breathed ability to dream. And I'm not just meaning dreaming at night. But, you know, just dreaming about, okay, if I had did this, you know, you how you have dream in your heart, dreams in your heart. Someone wrote this, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. I like that. That's good, eh? Shall I say it again? Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. In other words, be a trailblazer. Ask God for creative ideas uh, to meet people at their point of need and make a way for the Spirit of God to touch their hearts. Ask for creative and innovative ways to impact our communities, our cities and our nation. We need that. Dear God, we need that. Right now, we need godly people, creative people, innovative people who will impact our communities, our cities and this nation. Number three, don't allow barriers, obstacles or limitations to hold you back. Too often we have an idea, a good idea, a dream, and look ahead and see nothing but obstacles and impossibilities. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, but we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So don't look at all those obstacles. You look at what God has placed in your heart. And don't ever let what you see in the natural determine your faith. Don't ever let that happen. Don't let obstacles determine whether you pursue your dreams or not. Because the enemy will put obstacles there. He doesn't want you to fulfill your dreams at all. But faith will take a hold of your dreams and bring them into this natural seeing realm. In God's mind, our future is in the present tense. It's not future. It's not past. Our future is in the present tense. He sees your future as now. You know, it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is. It's now. Faith sees the future as the present in the same way that God does. Now, many people have switched their dream machine off. But I hope today you might switch it back on. 
they, you know, allow time to dream. Allow time just to relax somewhere and just dream. Okay, Father, I'm just going to dream about the possibilities. Tune into what's in your heart. Never stop doing, you know, some people are just so busy. They never, they're just busy, busy, busy. Stop for a while. Stop a while and just have time to just dream and think about things. How could things be better? What could I do that would change this, my family or change my community or whatever? It's time for all of us to take time to dream God's dreams, to believe them and to live out those dreams. So God's dream, he's, he dreams of empowering us. It's his dream. So we can do the greater works of Jesus Christ. That's God's dream. His dream of demonstrating the kingdom of God on earth, just as it is in heaven. God's dream for this world, he wants the world to know he loves them. And he has made a way where they can be reconciled back to him through Jesus Christ. God's dream, he has a dream to see you prosper. He wants your business to prosper. Maybe he's, he's put something in your heart and you think, oh, you keep putting it off. It's something he wants you to do. Hey, step out. What's the worst you could do? What's the worst that could happen? Oh, you might trip up for a while. But don't worry, you know. He's, he, he will show you things to do. He wants your cre creativity to flow and bring success. He wants your children to be successful. See, God loves to use insignificant people to do amazing things. He used a young shepherd boy named David to bring down Goliath. He was Israel's greatest enemy at the time, the one who was striking fear in all the Israelite armies. And what did David use to bring him down? He was a giant. He was a giant killing machine. He was fearsome. He wasn't just some dinky 12-foot thing. He was way bigger than that. And what did David use? A missile launcher? No, he used a little slingshot and a stone. Man, he's courageous. He'd practiced on the, you know, he'd practiced on the, the lions and the bears that would come and try and kill the sheep. He'd grab them by the beard, you know, the um, I suppose the lion has a beard, you know, and the bear would, but he would kill them. It was God. God was on him. He was a dreamer. He wasn't just a dreamer wasting time, because we say, oh, they're just a dreamer. Hey, you better be careful with what you're saying. David was a dreamer, and he brought down the enemy of, of Israel, and he became king. Absolutely. So my question is, what, what set David apart from all his fellow Israelites? It was that ability to dream. He learned to dream. He dreamt of destroying Israel's enemies. When he killed the bear and the lion, he just saw himself killing God's enemies. And so when he saw Saul, uh, when he, sorry, was brought to Saul and the Israelites were all cowering, he just saw Goliath as another lion and a bear. So I can get rid of them. Didn't bother him because he was full of courage and he was full of faith. So God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Isn't that good? So you may think, well, what difference could I make? Never underestimate the dream that God has put in your heart. Never underestimate it. Never underestimate what God can do with small and significant things and people. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So never despise those small things. Never despise the, the day of small beginnings at all. Never underestimate what God has put into your heart. Never underestimate what you can do, whose life you can change, you know, what the difference that you can make with something small in your hand. So my question is, what has God said to you that could impact and influence your family, your community, a nation? What has God put in your heart? Don't push it aside and think, oh, that's just me thinking. What if it's not? What if it is God? Write it down. And say, Lord, if that's you, confirm it and show me. Okay, then. <clears throat> God only needs one person to believe him. One person who dares to be different to do, to do great things for God. When you pray, what ideas pop into your mind? Don't just brush them off as distractions. Write it down. It could be God leading you, you to a creative solution to a problem. He could drop in ideas of winning souls, inventions, innovative ideas for business. He can drop all these things in, scientific breakthroughs, in everything like this, educational ideas. God is interested in the whole spectrum of life. He's not just inter interested in us on a Sunday in church. He's interested in everything, in business, education, everything he's totally interested in. And I once read about a man, this is going back a long time ago. I mean, I didn't read it a long, long time ago, but he was a long time ago. Um, he was walking down the road many years before um, there was AC electricity. That means the alternating current. You know, that if it, anyway, that's where power can be directed into businesses. But anyway, he was walking along, and they had to have a transformer every few feet from the power source, you know, a big transmitter transformer all the way to where the power was going and this man let his mind wander he started thinking about that that's it you know all these all the way along these great big transformers and, and within 10 minutes god downloaded into him the entire concept of ac alternating electricity which allows electricity to travel for miles hundreds of miles without so many transformers and that one idea lit up cities all around the world. His daydream revolutionized the world. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need, all of your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, our God doesn't supply us according to our riches and glory. It's according to his riches and glory. And a Jewish rabbi, I like this, a Jewish rabbi was asked about that phrase, about according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he said, this rabbi said, it means God, out of his realm of glory and dominion, will release to his people ideas, creative things, and witty inventions that will cause tremendous provision to come to them. Isn't that awesome? So we are co-laborers with God, co-laborers. Stay alert to the ideas that will flow through your mind. Stay alert. It could be God giving you a business opportunity, <coughs> a ministry opportunity, a way to impact people, 
Allow yourself to be creative. Be an outside of the box thinker, outside of the box. Allow God to use you to come up with creative kingdom ideas to impact your life, your family, your community, our city, our nation. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I pray, Father God, that everyone here, I know that you've been speaking to them. You've been giving them dreams. And I pray today, Lord, there'll be a great awakening and reigniting in their hearts and in their souls and their minds, Father God, that these ones sitting here, Father God, will bring change and they'll bring justice into this nation, Father God, that they will impact and they will influence this nation for the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. I pray for a great awakening in each and every one, Father, by your spirit, even right now, Father God, that they, things that you've put in their hearts, they've forgotten about. They've put them too hard. they put them in the too hard basket. Father, I pray now that those be brought out of that too hard basket, they will be brought to their minds and to their, into their hearts, Father God, and reignited by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we will be capable to change our family, our church, our community, and the nation, and the nations, Father God, whatever you've got, whatever you've put in them, Father, that great inventions may come forth, even witty, these witty ideas, Father God. Let them, be, let them spring forth. Let this be a catalyst time in their lives, Father, that these things will be awakened in their heart in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for it. I just thank you for Holy Spirit. You just get over all of these people by your power, by your spirit. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Well, um, if you need prayer, or if you've never made Jesus,